Connor has already known where I'm going. Because I already threw it this way. In fact, I threw it at producer Justin's way as well. But I've been thinking about the scariest thing in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, after much soul searching, have been asking myself, what would the scariest thing in the world be to wake up at, say, two in the morning and walk out of your bedroom and see in the main room? Or in the bedroom with you, or wherever it is. You wake up at two in the morning, something's in your home. The scariest thing I can imagine is it's pitch black, right? Right. I hear a noise in the main room. Maybe the kitchen. Okay. Rustling. Little clinking, Mm. maybe some glass. Yeah. I'm scared. There shouldn't be anyone here. Yeah. Justin just moved out. Mm. I creep out of bed. Grab the nearest thing to me, a promotional dildo bat from Saints Row the (laughs) Third. Yes. In trembling hands do I clasp it. I step out. And and let's not let's not think too deeply about why that is the item next to the bed. Yeah, let's not. It's to beat off intruders. <laughs> Sometimes the bat is the intruder and I'm beating it off. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Oh uh. no, I'm not that ambitious. It's fucking huge. It so I step out into the unknown. There it is in the kitchen, a huge hulking shape, fiddling around under my sink. It notices I'm there, it freezes, stares at me. A full suited astronaut. Mmm. Right? Yeah. Helmet? Mmm. Total, like, blank, black glass helmet, can't see. Huh. It's staring at you. What was it doing under the sink? And then it just starts walking slowly towards you. The first thing I do is I'm closing the door and hiding under my covers and crying. It's a fuck-off astronaut. You know why that's scarier than, say, a big old scary monster? If I see a big old scary monster, I'm going to assume I'm, you know, I'm I'm dreaming. I'm sleepwalking or something. This is some sleep paralysis shit. It's going to be over in a minute. An astronaut is just plausible enough to be like, Oh yeah, this could be happening. There could be someone here dressed yeah. up like an astronaut. But why am I in space? At two in the morning, you may think that. Did yeah. it come? Is it a person? Is it just the suit with like slime inside making it alive? I don't know what aliens get up to. Is this like that thing with prey where it turns out, oh, I've not been where I thought I was. I'm somewhere else. Turns out I'm in space as an astronaut. Fuck. What if? You could be in the suit looking back at yourself. Maybe <gasps> oh. you're under the, the sink because you know that's you, where the Green Gobbler yeah. declogger is. But you don't know. <laughs> you catch a glimpse in the visor and you're unsure if it's you in there or just your own reflection coming back at you. Are you the tomato in the astronaut's glass? Who knows? Justin didn't seem convinced of this until... I silently walk towards him with long strides and my arms sort of slowly going out left to right. And that freaked him out because at that point you can't help but imagine someone dressed in a full astronaut suit striding towards you silently after having studied you. There is nothing worse. Nothing is worse than an astronaut in my house. And additionally, like when someone is that suited up, they instantly more intimidating because you can't get a read on like how strong are they could i fight them off if i needed to 
there's a story from like a decade ago. I managed to once convince someone who's trying to steal my dad's car to just stay put in the driveway until the police showed up because I was wearing a, a biking jacket and a helmet. And, you know, when you can't see what someone's build is and can't see their face properly, they're scary. Oh, nice. I'm not scary, but I'm scary in those things. You don't know what the fuck's behind that astronaut outfit. You do not know. And when Jim told me about this the first time, it reminded me of the story of the Solway Firth Spaceman. Which, in 1964, a guy named Jim Templeton was out in a field taking photographs of his daughter. Mm-hmm. And when he, you know, got the photos back from development, there was a person in a spacesuit behind his daughter in a couple of the, in one of the photos, just like, in the middle of the bunch. And I was like, oh my god, it's Spaceman. And forever, people who are into UFO shit have been like... This is some kind of evidence of alien visitation. Oh, and, and he claimed that a couple of uh, men in black suits claiming to have been from the government came to visit him after, you know, there was this publicity. Now, here's the thing, right? With this... <laughs> you, you told me about the, the Firthway Spaceman? The Solway Firth Spaceman. Solway Firth Spaceman. Now, you told me about that yesterday when I brought up my chilling vision of a nightmare terror feast and i hadn't seen the photo yet you have posted it in chat mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um if anyone wants to look up cold wafer the spaceman feel free to it does look to me like someone's taken a small plastic astronaut toy <laughs> and shoved it in the back of her head it does have a little bit of a popping out from around the corner hello sort of look to it in fact it looks like one of the 1970s kenner rebel alliance figures <laughs> Yeah, just just let me just stuff this into the back of your hair. It's tangled up, Daddy. Shush, this is going to make me 50 pounds. So there is a UFO author who published something in 2014 who offered a, a pretty rational explanation for this. It's that it's the dude's wife who was also there that day, and he couldn't see her through the viewfinder on the camera, probably because you really couldn't see much through the viewfinders in those cameras. And then she's overexposed. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Or, or just, it's a beekeeper. That could be a beekeeper. That could be a beekeeper. It could be yeah, a beekeeper. She's, she's gone to deal with the bees. <laughs> I mean, I'd find a beekeeper pretty scary in my house at two in the morning. Now that, yes. <laughs> yes. And I think it's scarier that there are no bees. <laughs> but I, I have family who keep bees. And, you know, they could be unpredictable at times. It It's not outside the realm of possibility one of them might show up in my home sometime, likely to tell me that we need to flee, so... See, that's worse, though. If there's a beekeeper in your house unexplained at 2am and they simply say, you need to flee... Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Podquisition. Hello. Video games happen sometimes. Oh, yeah. I've heard of those. We occasionally talk about those. Uh, where do we want to start today? Do we want to talk about newsy stuff, or do we talk about stuff we've played? Where do we want to start on the video gamey Venn diagram? Don't we normally start with things we played? We can do things we've played. I Who's mean, we played can stick something to that... tradition if you want. Why or buck, buck tradition in... <laughs> I mean, there's so much going on right now news-wise. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, there's a few things for sure to get through. We'll, we'll do them at the end, then. Who's played a thing they want to talk about? Oh, I didn't know it was things we wanted to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Fall Guys. I've played Fall Guys. 
Yeah, you you've been playing some Fall Guys. Yeah, it's uh, I you know, I I hadn't played it at all. I think as of last time we recorded. No, no. I think last week we told you it was on PS Plus, and that was your yeah. like, oh yeah, I'll give it a go. Yes, yeah. You played it later that day, and we watched you play it on a live stream. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, the following uh, weekend played it on a live yeah. stream. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not great at it, although there are games that I have, you know, just like a baseline competence in that I know that if I land in that game, I got a real good shot. Yeah. But, I, you know, I've won one round now, and... Yay! Yeah, then I'm, I'm real happy about that. But here's the thing about me, is that normally, in a game like this, I get that one win, I'm like, alright, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I never need to play this again. I'm ending on a high. I'm fine. And yet I booted it up again last night. Yeah, it's real Moorish, huh? It is. It's vi- it's and it's so light and quick, and mm. no commitment. It requires so relatively little brain space to just go. Yeah, this will this will just be fine for a bit of time. And it is a multiplayer game that, in a lot of ways, eliminates my issues with multiplayer gaming i.e. Mm. other people. Yes. I don't particularly like playing with a bunch of fucking random people on the internet. It holds no appeal to me. But the interaction is so limited that it's yeah. almost easy enough to dismiss them as AI entirely. Oh, yeah. It turns out that as, as misanthropic as anyone could be, we're all right with folks so long as they're beans. <laughs> I mean... If you transform all the other players into just a writhing mass of opponent, yeah, sure, I can deal with that. I'd have to think of you as individuals that are doing talented things. No, you are just the sea of beans. Hmm. Uh, Conrad, I have to ask, which game did you come first in on your final round? The spinning dowel with the fallaway uh, floor. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I happened to get on the right side of it early on, and it was just me and one other bean for a fair stretch there at the end. And and they tried to grab me at one point, and then I think thought better of that and realized, oh, wait, that's not going to help yeah. me. It's, it's kind of why I love that one as a final round so much, is that by the time that it really gets going, no one's got the time and the energy to be able to try and fuck with anyone else. It becomes two people doing a solo game and seeing who can go the longest. Well, and yeah. I kind of like that. It is the most sort of just, I'm going to do my thing and one of us is going to be better. Yeah, the, the amount of space that's provided on that tile, once it's down to two people, there's really nothing you can do to hinder your opponent that will not also end in your own destruction. Yeah. So you just go for it. And yeah, so that's the one I won on. Uh, I made it to the fifth round a couple of times after that. I had the fall away, you know, hex floor thing. I like that one. I'm not particularly good at it but i think it's a really yeah. good finisher agreed I, um, I enjoy it a lot even if i suck at it yeah and and then i did the uh one where you're on the spinning barrel oh yeah, yeah. one time and and i got within the final three of that and and lost it there at the end but yeah i really like all the final match ones that i've played it in terms of being final elimination games they function yeah. really well they feel fair um the the only one that to me, like, I, I'm an R whether I whether it feels fair sometimes is Fall the Mountain, where I climb up the mountain, try and get the crown at the top. Mm. Purely because 
if the game fails to eliminate enough people before you get to that round, you end up with two lines of people, and getting put in the back row for that is a really noticeable disadvantage. This is the slime rises up behind you thing. No, 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 no this, this is the final. Is, it's, it's... This is a final round. There's oh. lots of very big balls falling down a hill. They sort of knock um, some spinning things around. Oh, okay. But it's literally just run up a hill, there's a crown at the top, get the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're in the back row for that, it can... It puts you at a distinct disadvantage, which I think kind of sucks. I wish that they would limit that round to... There is enough people to put you in one straight line. The back row is fine for the early games, where yeah. you know there's a better than average chance that you're gonna get through. Yeah. But yeah, something like Full Mountain, you really you want one line at best. Um, yeah. I really like it though. I like yeah. all the. I like pretty much every I... game. Like every. Yeah. People have tiered to them. And there are ones that people hate and people don't like the team games. But I'm not sure. I guess perfect match just because I've now played the game so much that some of these slower ones are getting a little dull. But in terms of them being games I've enjoyed, uh, there's yeah. none, none of them I dislike. Yeah. Except Fruit Shoot. I don't like Fruit Shoot. I've I've grown to like Fruit Shoot over time. Once I got good at it, I liked it. Cause that's the I mean, tr- I'm, so, I'm all right at it, but I still yeah. don't like it. It's it's running along the the floor that's like basically running opposite a conveyor belt. Mm. It's so unpleasant to me on a tactile level. I hate <laughs> it. Ooh, it makes me shudder. I'm just but, I'm so bad at the uh, team soccer game. Like I am fucking useless at it. And the last round I played, my whole team decided that they were going to be on offense. Oh. <laughs> I'm standing back there like. Oh shit, you really don't uh, want me being goalie gang. I really like that one now because I have gotten very consistently good at wait for the, the new ball to drop down and send it straight into mm, the other goal. Yeah. I've gotten real good at that timing. I enjoy running interference in, in the football one. I like mm-hmm. to grab the other team when they're trying to play goalie and and then just endlessly spam the, the chicken emote at them. Uh, and it, it really distracts them, and they, they literally yeah. take their eye off the ball. And they start trying to grab me. I'm not trying to do anything but grab them. But to mm-hmm. get their revenge, they start grabbing me. And while they're grabbing me, they're not fucking around with the ball. Um, so that's I recommend that for you, Connor. Yeah. Because I know you're not yeah. confident with the other stuff, but that can be fun. And, and that was my plan going into that round. That really was my plan. <laughs> but then you had to play goalie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm really into Fall Guys still. I've finished yeah. The, yeah. the season now, now, and I've never done that with any of these games. The whole yeah. Battle Pass thing is done, and I am still playing. And today I looked at the storefront, and a color scheme was black with hot pink. It's oh. literally <gasps> my Inquisition costume oh. So now I'm wearing that and a pair of golden boxing gloves. So what do you think about that, Laura? That sounds fantastic yeah. and wonderful, and just like your jam. Yeah. Nice. I uh, stopped playing to come and do this. <laughs> Once we finish this, I'll be having dinner, then I will be streaming Fall Guys, because I am yeah. still playing a lot of Fall Guys. I'm gonna... uh, I played a bunch of stuff this week. Yeah? You better. There's, well, I played a bunch of things, and there's one thing that I didn't play, and I'll get that out of the way first. Um, I tried to play Microsoft Flight Simulator, which came out yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So I've been very excited about this for a while. It is exactly my jam. I love my like uh, Euro truck sims. You sort of just go for a long, relaxing journey in a fake vehicle. Um, so I had it pre-ordered. The reviews had been good. It seemed like it was going to be everything I wanted. Got it preloaded. I was like, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to sit down on Tuesday and just play this all day. And I boot it up. What I had preloaded was a one gigabyte file from Steam that boots into a client that then wants to very, 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 very slowly over nine hours download 91 gigs from Microsoft servers. Oh, wow. Yeah, so first hour and a half I had trying to install that game was there was a loading bar and it wasn't moving and I assumed it was just moving very slowly because 91 gigs of game. No, turns out I wasn't even connecting to Microsoft servers because there were too many people trying to download the game because they insisted on hosting the data themselves, not putting it in Steam. Terrific. So like an hour and a half in, I eventually get it downloading. Every like couple of hours, it'll try and decompile what it's done so far and the computer just fucking stutters to a shut. It just, just wouldn't fucking work. It took nine hours, which... Fun note, all of that time is counted as time playing the game because the game is booted to download the stuff, so if it turns out not to work on your machine, you are not within the two-hour refund window Aww. on Steam. I did eventually boot it up. I I got to play like ten minutes of it before I had to do some podcasts. It's very pretty and I'm very excited to give it the time it deserves. I'm glad but... you at least got it working because I know you were looking forward to it. I, I got it functioning eventually, and I'm like, ah, this looks fucking gorgeous. I've got a bunch of indie stuff I wanted to get through this week, but at the weekend, I'm just going to sit and put podcasts on and fly around for a bit. So I wanted to talk about it this week, but next week, that'll be that. But I played a bunch of indie games, though. Can I, t- can I mention one of those? Sure. You absolutely can. Uh, I, I've played the first couple of hours of an indie game that I'll... Like, I've got a full copy of it, but I can only talk about the first few hours. Um... A game called No Straight Roads. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a music rhythm combat game, sort of in the vein of something like um, Crypt of the Necrodancer or uh, Cadence of Hyrule. It's a little less rigidly on the beat. Um, enemies attack on the beat. You can move freely in 3D space at any time, and you don't have to attack on the beat. You're mainly avoiding attacks on the beat. Um Visually, it's it's really interesting. It reminds me a lot of something like Psychonauts with its very um, exaggerated character art and the way that its characters are designed. Thematically, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, how, how do I put this? Um, it's set in a world that a company that makes EDM dance music basically took over the world. Corporations have taken over the world, but specifically a corporation that makes dance music. So, the darkest timeline. About the darkest timeline. So, you play as two two people in a rock band, you've got a guitarist and a drummer, and, like, partly they're trying to tear down, you know, the, the corporate machine that is trying to homogenise everyone and, you know, is doing bad things. They're, like, siphoning energy away from the rich, away from the poor. But they're much more interested in being famous rock stars and in the fact that, ah, oh, EDM music fucking sucks, rock music is better. The energy of this game should have been, hey, look, we're, we're taking down the people in charge and rock music has a lot of tones of anti-establishment. What it ultimately becomes is, ah, oh, your music fucking sucks, uh, uh, ours is better, shut up. 
Like, that's the tone it has half the time. <laughs> they set themselves up this straightforward critique of fascism. Yeah. Only to really twist it on its head and become a teardown of EDM specifically. Yeah. That's it. It's like, it's, it's got the stuff there of like, oh, because like the thing that ultimately does tip them over the edge is like, oh, we need to take them down. They won't let there be any music other than EDM. And that, you know, and eventually the thing that tips them over the edge is, oh, yeah, I guess we should also be mad that they're siphoning away the power from <laughs> the poor population. But mainly they wouldn't let us enter the X Factor with a rock band. They only like EDM in, in X Factor. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> I love it. I sort of love yeah, it. And can I just say, it's it's not even that rock music has been like outlawed because they keep talking about like, oh, they're uh, they're they're discriminating against us and our rock music. Rock music has not been banned in this world. You can play rock music and people are allowed to like it. But the corporation that owns everything runs the big music talent show, and they're like, no, we make EDM. We're going to ban you from doing rock music in our concert, in our competition, because we like EDM. Corporations deciding what is and isn't mm-hmm. culture. It is. Is a problem. A major problem. But I love that. I just. <laughs> and I, I yeah. genuinely. Like, I'm not even saying this to criticize the game. I genuinely love that this is no. splashing around in such fertile political, satirical waters. Just to focus on how much EDM no, sucks. And, and can I just say, like, I know that this sounds like I've been really critical. I fucking love it. Like, it's great, and I don't know how much it intends to be, but it's wonderful. But another thing, too, that I kind of think is interesting about it is it's almost a bit of a statement on the things that actually wind up motivating us to make change, the petty personal grievances that we have. Mm. Yeah. Oh, go, Jet. Like, you look at this week and the fact that the populace has risen up against Apple because Fortnite said, oh, oh. No, we don't like him. Like, the, yeah, but like that's the kind of bullshit mm. that gets people to, to do things is, well, it affects the piece of media I like, so I'll do it now. Well, I mean, look how many people have been pushing back on me for continuing to talk about Ubisoft spending years covering for abusers. So many people want me to shut up because they want to guiltlessly enjoy Assassin's Creed or what have you. Um, Mm. But people still allow me graciously to still talk about microtransactions for over 10 years because that affects the game that they're playing. (laughs) Although some of the people that like those obviously don't want me to criticise the harm they do. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, it all basically, the only way we're ever going to motivate change in society is if we bring back Launch Day DLC. <laughs> um, yeah, to get back to that game for a minute, just like, once you get through the intro, I do like the structure of the game. It is basically a uh, a series of boss fights. It's in that vein of something like a No More Heroes, where it's like, ah, hey, we're going to go after all of the, the bosses that run the big music corporation, and one by one, we're going to kick down the door of their nightclubs and battle their EDM with our rock music by jumping over attacks and firing music notes at them and hitting them with our guitars and whatnot. And it's basically just like, the the first fight, boss fight in this game is, here is a huge man with a tiny galaxy sphere as a head that has very big speakers and you've got to beat up the planets he summons to get music notes to fire at him with your guitar. And I mean, it's, it's all very over the top and exaggerated in a way that Again, it's the kind of thing I loved about the No More Heroes boss fights. It's all a bit ridiculous in a kind of endearing way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm having fun with it. 
it sometimes feels like the game is trying way too hard to be hip and cool. It sometimes feels like the game was not necessarily written in English first, and the writing can be a little uh, unusual in places as a result. But it's clearly trying its darndest, and it's fun to play, and its ridiculous plot is done with such sincerity that I can't hate it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. <laughs> this stupid, weird game. Sometimes that's all you can ask. Yeah, so I'm going to stick with it, and I, I think in a, in the next couple of weeks I should be able to talk about like the full game and whether it continues to be amusing the whole way through. But a couple of hours in, I'm, I'm still having a good time. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, No Straight Roads. Uh, what about you, Jim? What have you been playing? What I like about music is it's so corporate. You could put any genre into either the antagonist or protagonist role of that game. It could be EDM as the Freedom Fighters yeah. against the Evil mm-hmm. Rock Empire. Oh, I was thinking about this. This is 100% the plot of the Trolls film that released this year, except oh, they it? flipped it around. Yeah. Um, rock music was the villain, and they, the, the day was going to be saved by pop music. Ah, uh, I see. It is exactly the same fucking plot. <laughs> yeah, it's so corporate. And let's face it, these yeah. genres are all owned by, like, one or two companies. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I say owned, you know, you know they're, they're popular artists yeah. within them. Um, so yeah, it's, you can't have genres of music fight because whoever wins, we Mm. lose Aliens vs. Predator. Also, I played a game called Mortal Shell. Tell us about Mortal Shell. You know Dark Souls? Yeah. Yep. They want to be Dark Souls. Well, well, here's the thing, right? It (laughs) plays incredibly similar to Dark Souls, to put Mm. it lightly. It looks, it looks like Dark Souls to the point where... When Conrad came round to help with the move yesterday, he saw me playing it at a glance and said, Dark Souls, eh? Yep. Some form <laughs> of Dark Souls you're doing? Yeah. And then, you know, you, you stop and look at it for a moment, and then you're like, oh, wait, no, this isn't yeah. Dark Souls. But at that first glance, you're like, oh, this is, yeah, this is Dark Souls. And it's not really trying to hide that at all. Like, it's not even trying to look original. But it's still decently made. It's certainly better than Hellpoint was. Um which is helped by the fact that some of the enemies have loots and will play mm. them if you leave them alone, right? Mm-hmm. You see them off in the distance, they're there. And it's really, they're nice little tune. Play a little loot tune. And then the other enemies are just sort of hanging around the campfire and then they see you and then just one by one they all sort of peel off and fight you. And then the loot is on the floor and the loot has its own physics. And then you can run around and the loot will bounce about under your feet going twang, boing, boing. And it can wake enemies up. So that's good. I like that. It also has this interesting uh, central gimmick where you are the titular mortal shell, where you look a bit like the milky robots from Westworld. We won't go into those anymore. (laughs) But you do look a bit like one. Um, Then you play the game for a little bit and you see this dead body uh, slumped up against the wall and you can interact with it. And then your character goes inside the dead body, and now you're controlling them. So the first body you find is a knight with a sword, and I haven't gotten far enough to see any of the others, but um, you can upgrade those bodies. I've got to learn the body's real name before I can do any upgrades for it. I don't know what that fucking means, but anyway. You then fight with that character with their sword and, and everything, and if you get if you lose all your hit points you will get violently thrown out of that body 
and then you've got a chance to survive by getting back into it. And that's a really cool little gimmick. Works quite nicely. And the other thing it does, uh, interestingly, is rather than a shield uh, or any form of real blocking, you harden, everyone, you harden. You press Mm. a button, and even if you're in the middle of an attack, you will instantly turn to rock. Ah, that's interesting, because presumably you don't have to finish attack animations, which might mean you can defend more readily. Yeah, it's very cool. Exactly. And I've I've not got the timing to the yeah. point where I feel like it's immediate. But I yeah. feel like I could nail the timing if I kept playing it, though I don't know if I will. Not that I hate it, it's just full guys. But I really... I like the Harden idea. I like that even mid-swing, you can just turn to concrete and then the enemy attack will bounce off you. Um, there's a little cooldown on it. Not a huge one, but just enough that you can't spam it. So between those two, you got the basics of a, of a really interesting action game. And then, of course, there's all the Dark Soulsy stuff on top. The, the combat feels very similar, although dodging doesn't feel as good in this one. The aesthetics are really similar to the, the first Dark Souls especially, um, in terms of character design and environments. and Just the overall colour uh, use and filtering uh, is all very similar. But it's solid. I think if, if you're one of those people that really likes Souls-likes and, and just finds it really interesting as a subgenre, you do way worse than this. I'd recommend yeah. this before... Certainly before Hellpoint. I enjoyed this more than a lot of them. More than like something like Lords of the Fallen. Yeah. So yeah, I would... It's, it's not too bad. Not too bad. It's made by a small team and they did pretty damn well with their resources. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Comrade? What else have you been playing this week? Uh, just mostly stuff I've been playing a bit in the background. Outer Worlds continues to be a thing that I'm uh, moving on through. It's still delightful. It's It still feels like Obsidian getting to make the refinements to a shooter RPG game that the aesthetic of Fallout doesn't necessarily jive with. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, at the same time, some of that stream... I don't know. It's, there's still a bunch of inventory management and crap in there that I'm like, yeah, okay, even though you've made this better, I still don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's fun. The writing's good. The acting's good. I, I love the NPC characters that, you know, you get as companions so far. Pavardi's just an absolute delight. Um, yeah, enjoying that. And then, uh, otherwise, I, I keep playing Rad, which is that Double Fine roguelike... Yeah, the mutation one. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I'm really enjoying it or if it's just like a background activity I've engaged in that will now be supplanted by Fall Guys in some way, <laughs> right? But I, there are yeah. things about it that I do really like, and I kind of want to see all the endings because there's some dark shit that gets dropped at the end of these. Like, it is a bleak end to every time you clear it. And I'm about halfway through, I think there's like nine endings. So I might still do it because I do kind of want to see the other ones. And I I would personally not just go to YouTube to watch them, even though I objectively know that that's an option, like that that's in my head. But it is a perfectly fun game. But that's it. That's all I've been playing is those two things and Fall Guys. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I played a bunch of other stuff that uh, came to the Switch this week because Nintendo did one of their... Uh, indie directs that they do every now and then and they had a real good run of like 
oh yeah, this is out now, this is out now, this is out now, this is out now, and I checked out, like, four of the games that, that came out during the Direct. All of them have been real interesting. Uh, one of them that has been out on other consoles for a while was A Short Hike. Have either of you played this? Mm, I love A Short Hike. Super wholesome, just delightful game. Yeah. Yeah, so for anyone who's not played it, it's a very colourful game set on this little little remote island, and the goal's really simple. There's a mountain, get to the top of it to get phone reception. And you can't go directly there, you need to sort of along your way pick up little things that'll help you to climb further, or help you to glide more, or jump more, and will help you sort of navigate your way up this island, but... It's much more about the sort of winding, circuitous route you take on the way there. There's lots of little NPCs who all have their own stories going on, and interacting with those will help you to make your way further up the island. Um, it's a real short little game. Like, I think I played about an yeah. hour and a half and got to the top of the mountain, and I felt like I'd done a reasonable amount of exploring, except I came back down and was like, oh, mm -hmm. missed that, missed that, missed that. There's a bunch of stuff I could have gone and done still, but... 90 minutes was, I felt like I had a really lovely explore of this space and came away from it just, it was just a very pleasant time. It, it captures really nicely that energy of, I don't have anything I desperately need to be yeah. doing right now, and I'm just going to go for an explore and see what it's I find. It's very low-key. Um, it is yeah. largely pretty, you know, positive, but even where it's not, like, yeah. explicitly full of positivity all the time it's it's got a lot of heart and empathy uh in it the writing's yeah. solid the visual style is cool too um with yeah. that sort of it, it's nintendo 64 kind of low poly visuals but it just pops it plays really well yeah and you know and and there is a surprising amount in that island, but you'll still only need about two, two and a half yeah. hours to see it all. Um, and kind yeah. of even maybe want to do it again at some point because it, it just feels oh, good. Yeah, definitely. Like, I I definitely played this a little faster than I necessarily would have if not for, like, I want to get through this, like, before mm -hmm. proposition today. But I could definitely see myself coming back to this at some point and being like, okay, I know what I need to do to get to the top this time. Let's avoid that. Let's see what else we can find on the way there. Because it's it's not the, the destination, mm -hmm. it's the journey. And yeah, it's a real sweet little game, that. It's, it's well worth checking out if you're looking for something that you can beat in a couple of hours and just have this very nice, wholesome feeling when yep, you're done. would agree. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jim? You played anything else? No. No? I don't think I have. I was going to play Battletoads, but I don't think it's out till tomorrow. I've taken the blanket yeah. off my head, by the way, for sound echoey listener. So you'll have yeah. to live with that for the, the rest release of the show. date. Uh, I'm sure uh, for that... <laughs> Battletoads says today, but um, it hasn't dropped yet. Oh god, maybe yeah. it's one of them things they do where it's like 8 p.m. or something stupid. Uh, uh, well, in that case, can I rattle through a couple of other things I've played today? Because there's a couple of other ones I think are interesting. Um, Manifold Garden came out yesterday on Switch, and um, it is a. It is a puzzle game in the vein of something like a portal. Um, in in many ways, it's more like Antichamber. If you've ever played that, bit, um, yeah, a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it is a very shifting perspective-based exploration puzzle game. Um, the main mechanics you're working with are 
at any time you can look at a wall and make that the direction of hmm. gravity. Um, so you can sort of shift around walls and there are certain interactables in environments that will, their gravity will always be to the wall they are on, regardless of which direction your gravity is going. Uh, there is a lot of stuff with non-Euclidean geometry and spaces that don't make physical sense, but exist anyway. Um, and there is a big mechanic where if you ever fall down a hole, you will eventually fall far enough that you will return to where you started. So, if you need to get to somewhere that's above you, you can fall, shift to the side slightly, and land above where you fell from. And it's a combination of all of these kind of things with a very MC Escher-esque um, visual arrangement of just exploring this very mind-shifting world. Um, there's not really any narrative to push you through, it is very much just, here is a world go explore, see what you can find, work your way through it. Um, I had to stop playing because I found that for me, I was really struggling with motion sickness from the frequency with which I was shifting the entire orientation of rooms 90 mm, degrees at a mm, time. I could see that, yeah. As someone who is prone to motion sickness, I got like an hour in and was like, this is, this is fascinating, this is fantastic, I'm really enjoying the puzzles, I can't play more than an hour of this at a time. Um, I'm going to keep coming back to it. it. I'm fascinated by it, even if I can't look at it very much. Uh, which is, you know, that's a problem that my brain has. That just is. Um, I played a game called Takeshi and Hiroshi. Uh, you play as uh, an older brother who's about 15, and uh, this 15-year-old Takeshi basically wants to be a game developer, and he's trying to impress his little brother who's seven, uh, and he's trying to he's trying to bond with him by making a video game that is accessible and the difficulty is set right that his little brother can play it as a little bonding exercise. Um, the father's not in the picture. I believe he's died. the the brother The younger brother is ill, and it seems like it's a hey look, things are rough right now. This is something we can do together. Um, so the whole mechanic of the game is that you are setting the difficulty of encounters and trying to. Trying to balance these encounters for your seven-year-old brother so that he will take enough damage that he thinks he's in in jeopardy of of losing, but will still ultimately win. So that like the amount of excitement he's had mm. from that level is maximized. It's trying to get a good sense of how much can I challenge him and have him just scrape through and win. It sounds like the kind of thing that would breed a a weak non-gamer who would install mods on Sekiro. I just feel like you really should just in any situation just absolutely beat someone into submission. It's the only way they'll get good. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think that this game has a real good sentiment of like, look, the way that you get someone to improve at playing games is to just, is to push them just about as far as they can go each time and like keep trying to increase that limit just a bit more. But yeah, it's, it's got this whole mechanic where basically the lower the character's health is, the more stressed your brother will be, but if they succeed, the higher their happiness meter will go up. And you're just trying to get them up to a certain amount of happiness uh, within a certain number of encounters. But it's a really adorable game. It's got this really cute visual style that it looks like you're essentially playing with um, like physical toys of people. Um, very expressive art on them. It seems really heartwarming, and it's it's mechanically really simple. It's just 
pick which enemies in which order to send into an encounter. You get little cheats that you can do on your end to try and help your brother out. Like, once per round, you can press a button to have an enemy attack deliberately whiff and not hit hit him. So, like, if there's an attack that should have been the final blow and knocked him out and you make it miss, it's like, ah, that's that was a really exciting moment for him. You get a bonus because you timed that right so that, you know... It's all about trying to craft a fun gaming experience for this young child, and it's really sweet. That's a really nice idea. I really like that as a concept. Yeah, it's it's very conceptually heartwarming. It's it's lovely. Um, and the other one I've started playing, and I've not had nearly enough time with this yet, is a game called Spiritfarer. Uh, so the the gist of this one, it looks very Battleship Brigade in its character designs and. There's a lot of elements of it that feel very Battleship Brigade. Um, you are playing as someone who has been tasked with being... Essentially, your new job is to help spirits into the afterlife. Um, you go sailing around this great sea, finding spirits that haven't aren't yet ready to pass on. You befriend them, you make a little house for them on your houseboat, you try and help them get to a point that they're ready, and then ultimately you bring them to this gate and they sort of move on, and... It's a real mashup of a lot of different genres. Um, you have... Uh, mm. So, part of the game is that you are going to various islands, doing resource collection, doing crafting, trying to get the resources required to, say, build a, a room on this boat that is perfect for that spirit so they'll be more happy. You're going and searching out food that that spirit likes to build up your friendship with them. You're... Uh, talking to them to see what quests they might have to be ready for the afterlife. You have a dedicated hug button so you can just go give them a hug every now and then. Um, And then paired with that, you've got... You slowly unlock new abilities as you go, and it's got almost a little bit of a Metroidvania vibe of going back to places you've been with new abilities to uh, increase the sort of, ah, I can go here now and that gets me a bunch of new things. Um... Yeah, there's 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 moments of this that are so Battle Chef Brigade. I haven't bothered to look up if there are people who worked on both projects, but uh, a lot of the when you get to an island, very often it's now you're in a two D side scrolling section where you're going and collecting resources, and it feels very much like the food resource collection in Battle Chef Brigade did. Um, it's really sweet so far. Um, everything about the game has done a really good job of getting me invested in these characters to the point that I'm not constantly thinking about the inevitable end goal, which is inevitably I'm going to have to say goodbye to this deer wearing a fur coat that likes to smoke that I've befriended. And it does a really sweet job of making you care about these characters just enough to be like, okay, and now's now's their time. You're not going to have any of these characters with you the whole time, just... Just go with that. Uh, gorgeously animated. I've not put nearly enough time into it to know whether the resource collection, crafting, check on everyone's needs, is everyone okay, what quests have they got, go do more collection, go do more crafting, whether that loop is going to stay satisfying or whether that's going to end up repeating itself. But so far I'm having a good time with it. Yeah, I'd seen the game promoted a fair bit and it looked very interesting. I'm glad it's... Holding up. Yeah, it's been a really pleasant experience so far. Um, 
it's longer apparently than I expected it. I I had a look at what sort of length it is. Apparently, it's like thirty to forty hours. Oh, wow, that's beefy. Which I yeah, I was expecting like you know ten to fifteen at most. So I'm curious what there is there to keep expanding it as it goes. So yeah, there's there's the things I played this week. Should we talk about some news that happened? Oh, let's talk about some news. Yeah. Yeah. Should we start by talking about Rocksteady? Because Rocksteady happened yeah. this week. That's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, you're never surprised anymore. Like, none of this is shocking, no matter where it seems to come no. from. But to know that two years pass with no action, despite the only, you know, seemingly five, is it, employees there? Um... Uh, so there were there ten were female ten employees. female employees okay. there, uh, and half of, half uh, of five, them. about half of them, basically signed a letter two years ago to their bosses at Rocksteady, accusing the studio of failing to prevent sexual harassment and inappropriate behaviour in the office. Yeah, I, it's... <sighs> and apparently nothing changed in two and years. And that, that's, that's what's so fucking frustrating, from my point of view, yeah. is that they just, like, nothing... Two years ago, this happens, and nothing. Yeah. So, having a look at this article on The Guardian about it, um, the letter was originally written to the bosses of, of Rocksteady in November 2018. It it was signed by 10 of the company's 16 female okay. staff at the time. Uh, the letter raised complaints about behaviour, including slurs regarding the trans community, discussing a woman in a derogatory or sexual manner with other colleagues, and sexual harassment in the form of unwanted advances, leering at parts of a woman's body and inappropriate comments in the office. And apparently within two years, all that that happened was one training seminar was held and that 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 was the it. training seminar. Oh, did everybody did everybody sign something saying that they took the training, thereby, you know, in a legal sense, demonstrating that the company took an action? It is unclear. Um, multiple women who signed that letter have left the company due to lack of Shocking. action. So, a company that only had 16 women to begin with, several of them left because after two years of inaction, they did not feel safe staying at that company. They just... It's it's so... Yeah. Last night, um, a friend of mine from high school got in touch with me because their daughter is into coding... And game design, yeah. and a senior in high school, and wants some, you know, help figuring out a path in some way. And I look at what's going on, and on the one hand, I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, oh. run, girl, run, flee. But on the other hand, I remember her mother, and, well, also, her mother's mother, and there's no telling any of them to run from anything. And that's the sort of yeah. person we need to come in and help make change in the industry. So, um, but it, it's every time this comes out, it's really disheartening because you know that so much talent is leaving the industry and going to yeah. other things. And, and it is just eroding any and, progress. And we get told time and time again, well, women just aren't interested in right. development. Oh, it's like, you keep yeah. running them off. Yeah. Uh, to your comment, comrade, about did they get everyone to sign something to cover their asses? Uh, quoting The Guardian again, everyone who attended was asked to sign a statement yep. confirming that they'd received the one-hour training seminar. Uh, it felt that it was a way for them to justify to cover their asses. What a surprise. 
That is it. It was one oh one. You attended a one hour meeting, therefore no one is sexist anymore. <laughs> so that came out ahead of this weekend where they're going to try and go, hey, get excited for our Suicide Squad gamers service. You thing. know, uh. <laughs> There are going to be people out there who are going to look at the timing of these events and say that it is deliberate to force them into an awkward position around their messaging. And to those people, I would say, if that's true, great. Absolutely great. agreed. I mean, I would rather get this out before than after so that we have a good excuse to go, hey, while we're talking about that game... These serious allegations exist, and yeah. we should be talking about them. Well, it'd be great if the press yeah. would do mm. that. Uh huh. Yeah. Ooh, let's have a look at these leaks for the new game that Rocksteady is working on. Yes, let's. Anything else you want to talk about at the same time? No, no. Oh, okay. Fucking yeah. hell. There's a statement from Rocksteady. Of course there is. In 2018, we received a letter from some of our female employees expressing concerns that they had at the time. We immediately took firm measures to address the matters that were raised. Over the subsequent two years, we have carefully listened to and learned from our employees, working to ensure that every person on the team Except feels for supported. all of those people who left. In 2020... Yeah, except for the... Well, everyone who's left feels supportive because they haven't left. Clearly, if they didn't feel supported, they'd have left. In 2020, we are more passionate than ever to continue to develop our inclusive culture and to stand up for all of our staff. Right. Is there... Does capitalism have one person who (laughs) writes letters for all these companies addressing these allegations? Because they're always the fucking same. They're a load of words that say absolutely fucking nothing. Also, also, think... Just, you know what word you need? Sorry. You know what, Jim? No, 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 no. Because here's the thing. There's this myth about American universities, right? That there are all these liberal bastions filling students' heads with these leftist ideals. But that's bullshit. In reality, our university system is so dominated by business schools and law schools who are churning Mm. out carbon copy people who talk and think this way. That's that's the fact there. Nobody on the right ever talks about how much business school goes on, how many MBA people are in the program, how many people are in law school. No, it's always liberals. It is stunning how identical Mm -hmm. they are. I mean, that statement from Rocksteady, you could, as it was being said, you could tell the next fucking sentence right, coming. because we've read it a thousand times. A thousand times. You know, every now and then yeah. the, the, the figures change, but the, the message and the way it's written stays the same. And the unwritten message, which is always shut up, fuck off, and bye, has never yep. altered. Yeah. So now we've got Rocksteady to just remind everyone routinely uh, have allegations they have not properly dealt with. On on that same note, Assassin's Creed creative director Ashraf Ismail has been fired from Ubisoft. Multiple women claimed that he'd hidden the fact he was married while in relationships with them. Several of those women alleged that they'd been contacted privately after they were fans of the franchise. Some of them claimed that he'd discussed his work on the series with them and told them a bunch of stuff that he probably wasn't meant to. Yeah. I bet he was fucking fired for that. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's probably for the... Break the, an oh, NDA was, or something yeah. fucking self-serving. That's, that's what I was going to lead to is they've not said what behaviour of his he's been fired for. And that's the thing that I find yeah. interesting in here is he was telling a bunch of industry secrets to Ubisoft fans he was fucking. Oh, someone told me the other day I owe Ubisoft an apology because they fired him. <laughs> Apparently they fired him, so now they're really showing a commitment to uh, change. So I should apologise for having said what they did. You should apologise for having said factual statements about what occurred. Yeah. Conrad, do you know I bought that deer uh, costume? I've not mentioned... Did you really? I've not mentioned <laughs> it on a video or what I'm doing with it yet, but I got a deer costume that I'm sending to Ichimo. <laughs> I'll explain why to the listeners at another point, but I'm not saying sorry for this. Mm. What? Well, sorry for what? Repeating that Yves Rameau's a friend to fuckboys. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> he made the decision. Yeah. He picked the friends. And remained friends with them when it was clear that they were fuckboys. He picked the friends and he chose them over everything else. No, he loves fuckboys. They're his homies. He loves fuckboys. Yves Rameau ha- routinely has fuckboys to dinner. Fuckboys to dinner yeah. is the name of his autobiography. <laughs> that a fuckboy will uh. ghostwrite for him. Uh, other industry news this week. Yeah. Should we talk? I don't think we touched on this at all last week. I yes. think it happened just after the episode happened. Should we talk about Epic and Apple? Oh, can we? Because, yeah, who wants to summarise this whole thing? Can I just say before we get into it? Yeah. I did a video on it. Yeah. I said most of my piece. Yeah. And people can email me and say that this is for the consumers mm-hmm. all they want, right? No, it's not. It's I'm fun. not... I'm not playing this game. I didn't play this game when it was Sony versus Disney. I'm not playing this game now that it's Epic versus Apple. Fuck them yes. all. Yeah. You know what? There may be good results that come from this. Yep. There may be. Oh, sure. Fuck them, and I'm yeah. not going to go to war for them. I'm not going to watch fandom get mobilized yeah. to mm. suit the corporate warmongering of companies that wouldn't piss on them if they were on yeah. fire. Before we get into it, I think you've summed it up really well there with the comparison to the the Disney-Sony thing. It is 100%. We have a property that people are emotionally invested in. We're going to try and leverage that so that our corporation can get more money. We're going to try and strong arm our way into more money by leveraging your emotional attachment to a brand. It's other people's bad times being weaponized. Because it's... We're going to engineer a situation so that Fortnite's taken off of the App Store. We're going to fuck people over and blame it on Apple. And then Apple's like, well, we're going to make it so that Unreal tools can't be, you know, used on iOS or whatever it was, right? We're going to fuck over everyone else and blame it on Epic. And it's like, this is why I told you people not to fucking go to war for either of them. They're just using your discomfort and your anger to make each other look bad. They are deliberately fucking you over and telling you it's the other side doing it, which is yes, true. They, they are, are. They're absolutely doing that. And and they can both have their rationalizations, their you know legal justifications for taking these actions. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is all about who that is very rich gets yeah. to accumulate more money faster and there are a couple of things about this that i think are really first of all the 1984 ad right 
Yeah. So, but before we jump too much into it, I'll very quickly bullet point the things that that happened like chronologically because I think that's that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did crack on like people had had all been familiar. Yeah. Uh, so the basic series of events seems to be. Um, Epic deliberately and knowingly uh, broke Apple's terms of service by making a payment option on iOS for Fortnite that basically circumvented Apple's 30% cut that they take. That is something that Epic agreed to in the terms of service. They broke that knowing that they would get pulled off the App Store. Uh, How do we know that they knew they would get pulled off the App Store? Because they had an entire marketing campaign ready and prepared with highly animated CG uh, cutscenes and trailers that we'll get to in a second. Apple retaliated the only way it it can, which is you broke our terms of service, so we're taking your game off of the service. Epic responds by releasing the 1984 commercial, which Comrade will get to in a second. It's a parody of an old Apple (laughs) commercial, but really it's an excuse for them to weaponize. um, Yeah, I'll leave that for Comrade when we get there. Then Google takes uh, Fortnite off of the uh, App Store, Notably, it is still available as an APK on Android, and uh, Google have said that they want, like, Seek trying to get it taken off other Android app stores. So it's less of a powerful move there, and that's why you've not seen it. It's very easy to get a hold on Android still. Then, Apple basically steps it up a notch. Uh, A lawsuit is started. Uh, Epic says they're going to attempt to sue Apple. And Apple goes, oh, there's a pending lawsuit happening. Well, while we sort that out, we're going to revoke your developer license, uh which is a big, big thing because that potentially covers things like the Epic Store on Mac might be potentially not allowed. It could cover, like, Unreal Engine is a thing that is used in a lot of games and there's a lot of question marks around that. And basically, both companies are trying to show their dicks and go like, no, 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 they're they're the reason you have no Fortnite. If you want to visualise the argument, right, imagine there are three people in a room, okay? Hmm. Two people are arguing while punching the third person mm-hmm. in the face, threatening to punch them harder next Actually, time. I would even... And yeah. that's all that's happening. I would happening. even argue that it's like a bar fight, right? But there's only two people fighting, and the only people they are hitting are the crowd of innocent bystanders surround them. That's it. One after yeah, another. Yeah, but they're just, also, they're also yeah. saying... They're also shouting, hey, crowd, yeah. get them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have actually a few things that I want to bring up, and I'm going to do it in the order of sort of the bullet-pointed list, because there are two issues at play here, Um, and they're getting conflated by people, or one of them's being conveniently not thought about to the degree that maybe we should be. Mm. Uh, The first is the outrageous 30% cut that Apple takes on these transactions, and you hear this a lot from people who want to defend Epic's actions and say that this is going to be, you know, if if they can be forced to reduce that cut to be more reasonable, then that's going to be good for all developers. And and they're making that argument uh, specifically pointing at Epic and going, look, Epic doesn't take 30% on their store transactions, therefore that justifies this, because they're the heroes, they're trying to bring that to everyone else. I actually see this as just another step in a long-term strategy Epic has had to position themselves in this way. And I I even think to some extent this might have been the goal because the iOS market Mm. represents such a tremendous amount of money. And for the number of transactions that Fortnite has the potential to do, you get just 5% better 
and you're making a ton more money because this is all about volume for them. And that's my big argument as to, yes, of course, if the percentage gets reduced across the board, yes, there will be a lot of smaller developers and publishers who will get to reap some benefit from that increased percentage that they get to keep. 100% true. But the benefit is bigger the bigger you are. Like, it's a much bigger benefit to Epic than it is to indie game developer on iOS. And what will wind up happening, as always happens when companies get, you know, large entities get access to a flood of capital, two things occur. One, that capital is then siphoned upstream to the executives and the investors where it doesn't benefit the business Mm -hmm. to the best of its ability, or B it gets used to further consolidate their market share over the industry, which ultimately just makes it harder for smaller developers and publishers to compete in the marketplace. Well, this is what is so amazing about their little guy rhetoric. Like, they did this with Valve last year. Epic Epic doesn't just have a product in Fortnite. It has a weapon, and it is using that weapon gleefully and with abandon, and all the while telling us that it is the... The underdog. Yeah, there is no way that you can be the underdog as a company that can afford to um, completely undercut the competition in terms of um, everything with Steam, with their lower cut, with the uh, the free games that they've been paying to be like, yeah, we're just going to give everyone copies of that. And you can afford to sue Apple. You are not an underdog if you can afford to sue I Apple. I mean, it's, it's an incredible play. You, you make these ostentatious displays of wealth yeah. and power. And use them to tell your fans that you are the weaker one, that you are the mm-hmm. underdog, yeah. the one who's yeah. struggling. They they're simultaneously doing all of these like uh, timed exclusives and like Epic Store exclusives and being like, oh no, we're we're being bullied out of our and Fortnite it's, it, money. It's and so it, transparent. This whole free Fortnite thing is so obviously yeah. staged. Yeah. And again, like the the thing that gets me so much is the timing. The fact that they had that that nineteen eighty four CGI thing ready to go and their in game event ready to go. It's like, oh no no, it is so transparent. You knew what you were doing first, because I do not want to sweep under the rug as so many other people are. The other issue that is central to this, what Epic mm. is saying, is that they want to demand access to the devices outside of the control of the platform. Okay? Yes, yes, that is a very and good point. I want everyone, and I am no fan of Apple. I never really have been. Mm. But I will say that everything comes with a trade-off. And yes. Apple's walled garden approach and their dictatorial management of the things that they allow on their platform are as much of an inconvenience to people as they are a security feature. Yeah. As 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 someone that owns uh, an iPhone, I, I am well aware that I could probably get a more powerful phone for my money if I went with Android. I am someone that personally just enjoys a walled garden ecosystem. I, I like knowing that Everything is just going to work and function as it is expected to because it is a set device with a set process that everything goes through. And I recognize the the things that I trade off to get that. Like, I, I buy secondhand iPhones years and years and years after. Like, I'm always generations and generations behind, you know. But, like, 
yeah, you you are making a really good point, which is there is a difference between these two ecosystems, and yeah, you're you're not just just getting positives if you turn one into the other. I just want everyone to think about the level of predatory microtransactional bullshit that transpires on the Apple platform versus other platforms. There's stuff there, absolutely. Mm. But the scuzziest moves, the most exploitative shit, they can keep that under control. There is at least a system of... There is a reasonable chance you could report something and something... And I have no skin in this game, really. But I do want the people who are on the Apple platform to really think about what they might be giving up if Epic, you know, manages to come through on this and whether they should really be rooting for that. Because I think it's dangerous. Yeah. Um, Now, yes, 1984. Oh... Bless. 1980 Fortnite. Let's give the great wordplay the credit it deserves. <laughs> so for those who uh, listen to this podcast who maybe don't know this history, Apple very, well, I don't want to say very early because they were already a very successful company. The Apple IIGS yeah. was in wide distribution. They very cunningly figured out, hey, if we put these things into schools for free, oh man, are we going to sell a bunch in homes? And sure enough, they did. They were doing great, making a lot of money, doing fine. Were they a smaller company than, say, IBM in terms of home computing? No doubt. But... They were still a force to be reckoned with at this point, and they put out this ad uh, as a Super Bowl ad. So already right then and there, you can tell the expense. It's directed originally by Ridley Scott. I did not know that. And it depicts a scene from 1984 in which Big Brother is addressing people in the two minutes hate. Now, this is not a scene actually in... 1984, the novel, but this is them setting this scene and then a woman carrying a hammer being chased by security guards runs down the aisle and throws a hammer into this screen of Big Brother. And the screen goes to black and it says in 1984, Macintosh will release, or Apple will release Macintosh so that 1984 won't be 1984. It is perhaps one of the most incredible marketing swings of the 20th century because here is apple very clearly drawing this line that hey big brother ibm controls what it means to have home computing yeah it was very much going like look they have a monopoly we need to break in and change things and so here comes epic with their exceptionally well-timed, immediately... And let's be frank, they're skilled people. They probably knocked this out in a weekend. And that's something else. That's something else that I kind of love about it. Plus, I mean, Epic Epic engages in crunch um, to a rather excessive degree, so they could knock out many things quickly. If right, they so I just to like be. to yeah. think about Steve Jobs, like, investing all of this time and energy into this huge-scale production to make his bold corporate marketing statement. And here come these assholes. Swipe it. Knock it up in a weekend. 
and turn it back on the company. We put Fortnite characters in it, though, so it's well, a parody. Yeah, yeah, but it's, I mean, the sheer nerve to do it, to try and, and paint that reflection back yeah. on its creator. Yeah, it, to, to try and basically go, you have become the very thing you hated. That's, that's the message they're trying to send. Uh, you know, I can't help but admire it on many levels, actually. I think it's insidious. The sheer goal of it, it's like, okay, okay, you... You saw a fucking right? opportunity. <laughs> and the message is still that even though it's parodying an Apple mm-hmm. commercial, they're still casting themselves in straight roles mm-hmm. within it. They are still saying Apple is the evil 1984 conglomerate and we are the hammer-throwing freedom fighters, hashtag free Fortnite. It's what a lot of people didn't get when I talked about how they were painting themselves epic. Because... They seem to think that because that commercial was a parody, all of it's a joke. But it's not when you're running a free Fortnite campaign and putting out a message saying that you're defying them and that this is all about breaking up a monopoly, especially when less than a year ago you were regularly, on a monthly basis, gunning for a de facto monopoly of of PC digital distribution. And you still want it. Like, Epic is making so many plays that show... It's not so much that it wants to get rid of Apple. It just wants to be the and new the one. The other thing I love about this ad that I just adore about it is when I think about it so fits Epic's Fortnite MO. Like, they just literally appropriated yeah. the biggest marketing move of the 20th century. The <laughs> same way they've been appropriating <laughs> their fucking dance moves and costumes. And you know they're not going to pay Apple shit for it. Hey, here's your reward. <laughs> huh? I would... I would love to. I would love to see the counter lawsuit. That's like, oh no, no, you just stole our advert and didn't do enough to change it. We're fucking suing you now. And the best thing is, is like, give it a couple of years, and another company can then make one about one hundred percent. Yeah. And then the cycle can continue. I mean, you can practically do it about Epic now. That's the best thing. It, this is truly the corporation calling the corporation a corporation. Yeah. Um. So that's that. That has continued to unfold. That... Don't trust Epic. They are not a hero. Epic are 100% trying to mobilize children to, to be vanguards and... in a culture war over what should be two corporations having a lawsuit. And 100% with this move to shut down Epic's access to the platform and, and the potential implications of what that could mean to the other developers involved, I do think it is important to note that this is a result of Epic playing with fire. Right. Apple's not wrong about that. They have endangered the livelihoods, potentially, of everybody who makes use of their engine. We're going to see who's overplaying their hand, because that's all this is. This is two companies, both of whom have very good hands, just wanting to see which one will fuck up. Who's got the biggest, you know, corporate thing here? I don't want to say corporate dick swinging because it's just Mm -hmm. too obvious and I'm yeah. I'm trying to come up with new things. Like, who's got the biggest ass? It always comes back to bumholes and dongs. And one point I've seen made a few times, and I think, like, really needs hammering home, is Apple, you know, taking the step that they did toward the end of the week of uh, revoking developer licenses is, you know, it's important for them to do because they have a lawsuit yeah. with this company. It's probably, like, hey... 
Epic has walked into a lawsuit with Apple, knowingly done so. It's fair game for Apple to go, look, we probably shouldn't be in a business arrangement with you while you're suing us. That's probably not good for either side. We should probably not be interacting until this is dealt with. Yeah, I don't think that Epic gave them any other choice in this matter. So... But then this is all part of the plan for both sides. It's because at the end of the day, they will keep fucking Mm -hmm. us over to make each other look bad while the pair of them rake in billions. Yeah. They will not suffer due to this. They are still making tons of money right now. We'll do throughout this entire argument. We'll do after. It's all a matter of degrees. It's all a matter of degrees insofar as degrees going up. It's never about what we could lose doing this. It's about can we make more or a bit less than a bit more. Like it's, they're not risking anything except other people's livelihoods and futures. Mm. Beyond that, we had one last bit of news and this was a slightly more positive bit. Oh good, thank goodness. You know, we were talking last week about Fall Guys and how it is just like completely designed for all of the brands to fucking shit themselves over wanting to get their brands in. The Fall Guys social media, to their credit, were not as money hungry as I would have imagined they would have been over this this interest from all the corporations. No, I would say that they are exactly as money hungry as I would expect them to be. They are directing it to a place that I would not have expected. Okay, yeah, that that's the thing. It's less about let's make more money for Devolver and, and Fall Guys. What they've done is they've gone, hey everyone, publicly bid for how much you would pay to get your brand into Fall Guys, and the winning bid will be a donation to Special Effect, which is a UK-based charity that helps people with disabilities to play games. They provide custom controllers. They basically provide help for people with specific needs to play more games. And the numbers on those bids are getting ridiculous already. Um, it was at over 300,000 um, when Jesus, I last checked. I love it. Yeah, 330,000 was the last check. Um, I'm pulling it up now to see where it's at. It's It's got a while to go. Um... I mean, I'll reiterate what I said on Monday's Gymquisition. Every aspect of Fall Guys as a product is yep. on fire. Right down to their social media, which is is just exactly what you want from a community account. It's harmless. It's engaging. It's funny. It's, it's funny. Yeah. It plays with the crowd. It comes up with its own little sort of like the whole yellow team thing. It comes up with its own memes to stoke among the audience. And then pulling a move like this, like you can tell the difference between a battle royale game made by a, a, a talented group who just wanted to make a fun product and were blown away by the success that they didn't imagine, and a company that cynically crafted their battle royale to become a corporate weapon. And then to see that the reaction to this vast opportunity is to say, okay, cool, fucking put your money where your mouth is, brands, show us, show everyone. Show everyone yeah. how willing you are. While at the same time, as a direct result, growing your own brand for Fall Guys. They yeah. have it yeah. made. Yeah, they have nailed this. Yeah, It's to the point where I almost want to call the bad uh, online connectivity incompetence at the beginning. Not because it was really their fault that so many people played it, but that they have played every... Every move so far has been so fucking savvy. Now yeah. I'm wondering how they didn't think <laughs> that the game would be as popular yeah. as it was. Because so far, all of this has just... They can't be stumbling yeah. accidentally through all of this. Well, 
I don't know. They did make that game that is that. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking about it because it's rare that I get to talk about something that's such good business yes. that is also pretty harmless. Obviously, with the caveats aside about the microtransactions, which I've made no bones about disliking yep. yeah. um, and will continue to dislike, I think it's a fucking tragedy that Fall Guys will be probably the best game I'll never give an award to as a result of them. But everything else about this game is just... I, I admire the genius behind it. I still do yeah. because it's... This move is perfect. They are getting their brand cross-promotion, which is yeah. good for any product. Doing it in a way that is harmless but playful. Yeah, yeah. while making these companies trip over themselves and fawn yes. at their feet. Humiliating them while also doing good, while also building their own yeah. brand. It's just, it's, yeah, I am amazed. It's a brilliant move. Yeah. As of recording, you're right, uh, the most recent bid as of about six hours before we recorded was an esports team that's up to about $330,000. However, there's at least two other people in the bidding who have said, I will beat whatever bid is made. So I would expect to see that number continue to rise. And obviously, we're not going to say any of the names of these bidders because they're not getting any free marketing off our dime. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Oh, God, no. Raise your donations, yeah. stake with the Fall Guys people if you want more presents. But fucking YouTube, can you stop recommending me one of them, please? Yeah. yeah Never I, watched one of yeah. his videos. Not going to. I only to. accidentally found out who they were. because You had been saying their name to me many, many times. And then I was looking on Twitter and, and their name came up there and conveniently a description of them. I was like, oh, okay, don't care. Wow, good. Now I know. Not a concern. Please stop. Like, I, I just... I've seen the thumbnails of the videos, I've seen the titles, because YouTube keeps showing them to me. They are exactly not what I watch mm -hmm. on YouTube. He is a man with infinity money, and he's going to spend that infinity money. That's his... that's who he is. I mean, I'd have infinity money too if YouTube thought that everyone wanted to fucking watch this right? fight. But YouTube doesn't think that. In fact, it thinks the opposite. You know, maybe then I'll be fucking giving hundreds of thousands of fucking dollars to fucking charity. Get me in the fucking game. That Fall Guys Twitter does continue to be good. I just had a look at their Twitter. They crossed a million followers and they initially were like, if we hit a million followers, we'll delete Team Yellow. Uh, what they've actually done is put out a tweet of one of the arenas getting entirely filmed with only Team Yellow. And they're like, you're all Team Yellow now. Sorry. I love the Team Yellow thing. <laughs> I and mean, Team Yellow is objectively the best team. Team Yellow is the best team. Everyone's on Team Yellow. Like, I found it funny because there was a Polygon article that seized on the whole Team Yellow thing um, and mentioned that it's having an effect in game that now Yellow teams are getting bullied. And I have not seen it. Oh, I've seen the it. The other day, Yellow team fucking wiped the floor with everyone. Oh, I have had like some sessions where anytime I get in as Team Yellow, I'm like, oh God, I see them coming. <laughs> in any case... I would find it very amusing, though, if, it, if that did happen to the point where it broke the game. Where it's like, we, we have to... Now every three-way team match is a two-way team match because it's, whoever's on yellow team will just lose. That would be an amazing problem to have as a game designer, is our Twitter account made fun of a random team so much that it's now unplayable. But in any case, yellow team is the best. Yellow team is the best. Right, should we should we wrap up there for this week? Let's do that. Yeah, Laura. Me. Laura, when people want thing, how get from you now, please? 
I'll get from now from me thing. Laura K Buzz. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Chuck me a dollar a month there. I get to keep doing the bullshit that I do here. I stream on Twitch Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Other than that, I've got books. There's Uncomfortable Labels. That one's out now. It is about me being gay and trans on the autism spectrum. There is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is a illustrated coffee table book of serious and silly video game character butt reviews. That comes out on February 4th, 2021. And Gender Euphoria is an anthology of essays of just positive stories from non-cis people, and that will hopefully be out next summer in time for Pride. Fingers crossed if I can get everything done I need to this week. God. Other than that, there's podcasts. There is Pixel Squirt, where I talk about video game character pornography. Oh, I forgot to mention YouTube every Friday, Accessibility. It's a series where I talk about accessibility and representation in the games industry. Check that out. There's Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a podcast where I talk about things that aren't video games. And there's Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, each season's a self-contained story. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven with Conrad. Hey, that's right. You can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can help me do all sorts of weird internet stuff directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. Or you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda in the form of little wearable badges at pinfultruth.com or get audiobooks at conradreads.com. I think there's a new Boston's Favorite Son since the last time we spoke, but maybe not. But go listen to that show, too. That's a lot of fun. And I do that with Jim, who has a Patreon. Yep, patreon.com slash jimquisition. Feel free to support it if you want. Uh, always gratefully appreciated. Especially because YouTube is specifically algorithmically burying the Jimquisition itself, I think. If you were to look at my channel, you'd think Industry Bullshit was the flagship show. It's mighty strange. That ain't suffered. In fact, that's had a really good fucking week lately. Everything else is normal, but that show... And I'm not saying there's anything deliberate going on. I can only, like, point out the facts. The fact of being, when I did the video calling out Ubisoft specifically for its sexual abuse, plummet. And has stayed plummeted. But only that show. We're not saying correlation or is causation or anything, but... And I'm certainly not saying, you know, that there's any human involvement, but... I'm certainly being careful about what hashtags I use on videos now and seeing what happens. Mm. I try and run the experiments to the best that I can on YouTube because the whole thing is a psychological experiment to drive certain people up the wall, I'm certain. The whole thing's just a house on a haunted hill situation. So, anyway, what I mean to say is, again, holding true to all of this, no matter what's happened with YouTube, Patreon support has always been consistent and solid. And for that, I can only thank the listeners and the viewers because not only does it keep the, the show running, it keeps me sane, as sane as I can manage, you know? Yeah. Because otherwise you'd think the business was falling apart. And it's just not true. It's just whatever's happening on that weird fucking website. So thank you absolutely for that. The support is, is wonderfully appreciated. Um, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.